now called Generous. And, um, and, and we started a couple weeks ago in this series, and we talked about, <clears throat> we talked about how generous God is. Because it really is shocking how generous God is to his people and how he takes care of us and how he loves us, even in things and in ways we don't think about sometimes. He is, is wildly generous to us, his people. And then last week we talked about how all of us want to be generous in our lives, but there, there are blocks or hindrances or enemies to generosity in our own lives and things that prevent us from being as generous as we'd like to be. And so we talked through that last week. And so this week uh, we're, we're going to be talking about generosity just a little bit more. And I want to just I didn't come up with a great title for today, so I don't really have one. So if you take notes, you can make up your own title today. You can just, whatever you want at the top of your notes is fine. Um, but really, we're going to be talking about what generosity does in our lives. And, and I hate to say it like this, but the benefits of generosity in our lives. Because when I say benefits of generosity, it sounds like I'm about to say, if you just drop $1,000 in the offering, God's going to da 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 right? And, and that's not what I'm going to say today. But there are intrinsic, there are ve- uh, tangible benefits to serving God, and to being generous in our life. And we're going to talk through those a little bit. Uh, the scripture we've touched on every single week during this series is uh, from Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. It says, For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And what we can take away from this passage of scripture is everything is God's. It all belongs to him. That everything we experience and see, everything we touch and feel, everything, uh, every emotion we have comes from God. He has given it all to us. It is his. He has made it and it's for him and it's for his glory. And he's allowed us to be a part of it because our God is so generous. What we have to also understand is that generosity makes God's love tangible to the world around us. The world around us see God's love through the church when we're generous. Um, It's just how it works. And we'll get into that a little bit more in just a second. But God wants us to live a lifestyle of of open-handed living, where it's more about what we can give away and how we can help than it is about what we can take and what we can get. God wants us to live our lifestyle that way. And when we do, there are amazing things that happen. The scripture that I'm going to read, with you, read for you today and read with you, and hopefully I'm not just reading it to you, you're reading it with me. It's from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And, and usually I read from the English Standard Version. Uh, today I'm going to take the English Standard and the message. So we're going to read verses 1 through 15. So just stick with me. Verse 1 of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 says this. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. So let me stop right there. When it says, when it's talking about the the gifts of grace, what it's really talking about is generosity. It's talking about the churches of Macedonia giving freely, that they gave money toward other churches and other ministries. Now again, that is not normal in our world, that churches would bless other churches. It should be normal, but it's not normal. There's not a lot of churches that are giving to other churches because a lot of times we see the other churches as competition when it should not be that way at all. But that's sometimes the mindset we set up, that we block everything off and know we're not going to help. And so what Paul is doing, he's writing the church at Corinth, and he's saying, hey, I want to tell you about this church that I know. It's a church that they are desperately poor. And that's basically what he says. He says, for in severe test of affliction, so they're walking through affliction, 
their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed. Their abundance of joy and extreme poverty have overflowed. Have you ever been in that moment where you felt like your extreme poverty was overflowing, right? I think we've all had that moment where we felt like, I don't think I could get any poorer than I am right now. Like, I don't think I could have less money than I do right now. Like, when you were single and you thought, man, I am so poor, and then you got married and you thought, I am so poor, and then you had kids and you th- realized, like, I, am so, I have no money at all, right? This is what Paul is saying about the churches in Macedonia. In their severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity. Now, this doesn't make sense because you'd think out of their abundance of wealth flowed generosity, but that wasn't the case at all. Out of their poverty flowed generosity because generosity was not contingent on how much they had. It's about what was in their heart. Does that make sense? Generosity had nothing to do with how big their bank account was. Generosity had everything to do with how big their heart was. And they recognized the need and they sent money toward that need and said, hey, we're going to help. Verse 3 says, for they gave according to their means. Did you hear what it said? For they gave according to their means. This is important. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. So what he's saying is they gave according to what they had, which, which I can testify to. This is what Paul asked them to do. Give according to what you have. And then he said, and then they gave up more than what they had or what they could afford to give because they wanted to, because that was what, what that was, well, let me start over, because that what, what, was what was in their heart. I'm never saying that phrase again. Second service, I'm doing that differently. That what, that was what was, never mind, forget it. They had generosity in their heart and they wanted to give. Verse four says, listen to this, listen to their response. In verse four it says, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. These people were poor. They were walking through affliction. And they're begging Paul to take part in helping give to relieve the need of somebody else. What an incredible picture of generosity this is. Verse 5 says, In this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. So what it's saying is they gave their hearts to God first. They submitted themselves to the Lord and said, God, I'm going to give my life to you. I'm going to give my heart to you. And as they grew in their walk with God, they, they recognized the importance of generosity in their lives. And then that generosity began to spill over into other areas. Does that make sense? And this is what was happening. Verse 6 says, Accordingly, we urged Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you the acts of grace. But as, I, as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. And I think this could be said for churches across our country today. That there are a lot of churches that excel at a lot of things. That they excel at their presentation. They excel at their worship. They excel at small groups and relationships. They excel in all kinds of different things. But if we can excel in one thing well, I want us to excel in the gift of grace or, or how they said it there, but in our case, the gift of generosity. I want us to be radically generous to our community and to our world. I want us to have great services. I want the preaching to be okay. I want, the, I want the worship to be really excellent. I want our kids' ministry to be incredible. I want our outreach ministries to be phenomenal. I want our small group ministries to, to connect people in relationships that are life-giving. But I want us to be a generous, generous church. I think God delights in that. See that you excel in this act of grace also. So now let me go to verse 8 
And I'm going to switch to the message version now. And I gave the tech crew late notice, so they might not have it in the message. So if I promise I'm telling the truth, so I'm not lying to you here. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, verse 8 says this from the message. I'm not trying to order you around against your will, but by bringing in the Macedonians' enthusiasm as a stimulus to your love, I'm hoping to bring the best out of you. He's saying, I, I want to show you an example of generosity so that, so that you might be as generous as they are. He said, your heart's been in the right place all along. I skipped some. See, I was going to lie to you. You are familiar with the generosity of our master, Jesus Christ. Rich as he was, he gave it all away for us. In one stroke, he became poor and we became rich. Now, now did you hear that? Rich as he was, he gave it all away for us. In one stroke, he became poor so that we may become rich. Now, again, you're sitting there going, well, I'm not rich. And I would say no matter what your bank account says, if you are a child of God today, you are rich. If, if you have a home that you can call your own, if you have a car, statistically speaking, in the world we live in, you are rich. There is much you have that the world does not have. We are rich, whether you realize it or not. Verse 10 says this, so here's what I think. The best thing you can do right now is to finish what you started last year. So he's talking about their commitment, the Corinthians church's commitment to, to minister and to bless others. He's saying, basically saying, finish what you started. He said, and not let those good intentions grow stale. Your heart's been in the right place all along. You've got what it takes to finish it up, so go for it. Once the commitment is clear, you do what you can, not what you can't. The heart regulates the hand. I love that line. The heart regulates the hand. <laughs> I've known some really stingy people in my life. And I will tell you this, the heart regulates the hand. I've known some people that were really quick to love others. The heart regulates the hand. I've known some people who knew how to be really generous, not just in their finances, but in their life. And I would say that the heart regulates the hand. This isn't so others can take it easy while you sweat it out. No, you're shoulder to shoulder with them all the way. You're surplus matching their deficit. They're surplus matching your deficit. In the end, you come out even. As it is written, nothing left over to the one with the most, nothing lacking to the one with the least. One of the things generosity does is it brings us together in relationship. That when we are generous, we can come alongside a, a family of believers and we can be generous together in this thing. There's several things that generosity does. Before we get into what generosity really does, I, I want to share with you, uh, last week we showed a video uh, of AJ and Heidi Allison and just talked about their story a little bit. And I'll tell you this, um, the, the three-minute video we showed last week and the time we're going to take together today does not tell their whole story. And, and in the next week or two, uh, we're going to have on our website the, basically their, their more extended story. And if you want to watch, it's, it'll be about 20 or 30 minutes long probably. If you want to watch that whole thing, we'll make that available for you. And I'll let you know, or you'll see it on Facebook and those kind of things. But we want you to hear their story because it's incredible. So we're going to take just a few minutes today. But if you would, please welcome with me to the stage AJ and Heidi Allison. Come on, go ahead and come on up, guys. Thank you guys very much. You can just stand right here. It's like a little tiny sandwich. <laughs> Uh, well, guys, how long have you guys been coming to the summit now? About five years. Right five years. Okay, I'm going to call you out because you got to. Even though we're having a conversation, you still got to talk in your okay, mic. So five I'm sorry. Years. There you Sounds go. Good. 
I, these guys told me, and Heidi not as much, AJ was like, man, I'm, I'm pretty nervous. And I said, AJ, you're just having a conversation with me and 500 people watching you. Right. That's all, yeah. so don't worry. Appreciate uh, that, thank you. <laughs> but uh, you, you've been coming here a while, and so a lot of your story uh, has kind of transpired while you've been here and a part of the summit. So we saw last week uh, the video, and, and obviously they, we know how it ends because we saw some of the pictures and we see the kids, um, but there were a lot of ups and downs along the way. And, and if you could... Um, tell me, what was kind of the lowest point in that journey that we saw? What was the point where you said, okay, here, this is rock bottom. I don't know if we can make it anymore. Uh, probably uh, we had zero money um, because we, we uh, decided uh, a lot sooner than what we thought. We didn't know what path God was going to take us on. So uh, we needed $60,000 uh, to get those process done. So this was after the first adoption, and you guys had decided we're going to adopt again. Was this before or after you had lost uh, another pregnancy? It was after we lost another okay, pregnancy. Okay, so you'd lost another pregnancy and decided, hey, at some point we're going to adopt maybe a, a sibling group, mm -hmm. and you're sitting here looking at $60,000 to get that done. Right. This and zero in our savings. And wow. Because this was after we had adopted the first time, which cost around the mid-30s. Yeah. So at that point, you, you know God has put this on your heart. And you, you're looking at the price tag and going, there's right. no way we can afford yeah, this. Yeah, we're a mailman and a nurse. <laughs> right, right. So, no rich uncle, nothing like that. So. <laughs> you weren't praying for an inheritance somewhere? Right. Well, I, I was, but I didn't know where it was going to come from. <laughs> God, I want you to kill somebody, but not somebody I like. Right, right. right. Okay. I don't know if that's entirely biblical, but that's okay. okay. We'll just um, leave that out. <laughs> so, so you're sitting here staring at that, trying to figure out what to do. Did you feel like during that time God was speaking to your heart about anything specific or God was giving you direction or was it just kind well, of like, what are we supposed to do now? Heidi comes to me and she's, uh, she says, you know, tithing has been on my heart the last three, four weeks. And I'm like, you're picking a heck of a time to do this. We need as much money as we can to build up our savings, to start this adoption process. Yeah. Uh, we have zero to give away. We need every penny. And uh, so a couple weeks, we're still talking. I'm like, we got to put some money away. And she's like, you know, I have this burden on my heart. We need to start tithing. So uh, I was like, well, whatever you think we need to do. And so uh, she started tithing. We started tithing. And um, it wasn't five days later. We tied our first Sunday. Um, it was in July. And um, I think it was that Friday night. We had, um, we had uh, been kind of fighting with the IRS to get an adoption refund back from our first adoption. And it was um, probably a year and a half later. And we were still kind of fighting back and forth with the IRS and giving them all of our paperwork and hoping that we would get this refund back um, to help us start the second adoption process. So um, it was five days later, and I went to get money out of the ATM, and there was like $9,000 in there that I wasn't expecting. So I called Heidi. I said, hey, First Commonwealth must have messed up. They got $9,000 in their checking, and I have no idea And we're why. not telling them. Well, I wasn't. No. I'm like, get it out as soon as you can, and we're not giving it back. So... Uh, that no, was, it, 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 was, it was actually our adoption refund that had finally come right. a year and a half later after the year that we had adopted Will, our first son. Uh, so then... Well, let me stop you there. So okay. at that point, how did, I mean, what was going on in your minds? How did you feel about... I mean, at that point, what were you thinking? 
When, when you saw nine grand show up in your account, that I was thinking God's saying, you're doing the right thing. Yeah, because we didn't know. We, yeah. we had been yeah. to Ethiopia already once. It was, one of, it was the most terrifying, humbling. Um, it, was a, it was a horrific country to, to visit. It was um, full of orphans, illness. Um, it was not a safe country to go to. When we, had, we, we flew there at the time, it was in 2010, and there were major, major border wars happening in Sudan. And um, only 10% of, of the, that country, which we have to fly over to get to Ethiopia, was a fly zone. So 90% of the country, the first time we went there, was a no-fly zone. And it was terrifying um, to go back because when we, had gone, when we had come back with our first adopted son, we said, we are never ever, ever leaving the good old U.S. ever, ever again. <laughs> True story. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so this money shows up in your account, and you feel like right. it's confirmation from God that you're doing the right thing, you're moving in the right, right. direction. So what happens at that point then? So then that Sunday, uh, she tithed again. Um, I get a call from a family member saying, hey, we want to help you out. And... Uh, Gave me uh, two checks for nine thousand dollars. Wow! So eighteen thousand. So we started with zero. Uh, she started tithing, and we had about twenty-eight thousand dollars in less than a week. Wow! We were on God's right path yeah. at that point, I think. Now, after that, um, if I remember your story correctly, was there was after this when your family did a, a basket? Um, that was a little closer to when we yeah, left. Yeah, a few okay. months later for flights, we were looking at about twelve to fifteen thousand dollars. We had already, you know, it's funny how God works. He, we had fallen in love with these children because we saw their faces before we, you know, had any money. So God knew that we would work really hard. I think um, because they were our babies, we saw mm -hmm. their faces and they were ours. So we, he, I think, knew that we needed and had to do anything that we could. And he laid it out on everyone in our lives hearts too, because our family had um, a surprise basket party for us to help us with a around $12,000 cost of flights for AJ and I to go back over um, again the second time, come back home. We met the kids the second time, come back home, and then we had to fly over again the third time to bring them home. And that was a flight, you know, five flights 8,000 miles away. <laughs> so we were looking at about 8,000 in airfare, or 12,000 in airfare. Wow. Um, now, one of the things... Um, one of the things we didn't talk about, and I don't think we talked about it in the video either, was that moment when you're driving down the road and you get the, the text saying, mm -hmm. hey, I know you want to adopt a sibling group. Here's this group. At that point, when you felt like God had dropped that in your lap, what were you guys thinking, right, in that moment? You well, know? we were on our way to the zoo with Will, and she had a smartphone at the time, and uh, she goes, pull over. And uh, she goes, I got an email from uh, Radu. He was our uh, adoption uh, coordinator. coordinator. Yeah. And... Uh, she goes, I got a picture of three children, you yeah. know, and, you know, before we could even talk about it, she's already texted them. Yes. You know, <laughs> we're taking these three kids. And because when she said, you know, uh, I want to go back to Ethiopia, you know, we, if we get back to Ethiopia, I don't want to go back just for one child. Mm -hmm. And I was like, how many are you thinking? You know, and she goes, well, let's just put in for a sibling group. And I was like, well, how many do you think that's going to be, you know? And she's like, I don't know. She's like, we'll just see what God puts on us. And, uh, yeah, but before I could even say anything, she was already given the answer, yes, you know, we'll, we'll take them. 
well, that's pretty cool that, that God laid that on your heart and then you responded. And I think with was before you had adopted Will that you had the house and sold it? Yes. Okay, yeah. so before you adopted the first time, you guys had built your dream house, mm-hmm. you live it on an acreage, you live in a pretty comfortable lifestyle. Oh my, a, yeah, a... very comfortable, um, no kids, over time, built a beautiful house, had nice cars. <laughs> now, from the outside looking in, there'd be people who would say, um, man, you guys have given up a lot for these kids. Like, you have sacrificed a lot. You've worked longer hours, you know, you're trying to support these kids, um, but... You know, as we're talking through the benefits, obviously when we talk about, you know, you talk about tithing and, and people will link in the intrinsic value. When you tithe, God's going to give you money. But that's not all that this is really about. What are some of the other things that God has done in your life, um, some of the blessings that you've seen in your life because of your willingness to be generous? Well, I would say the first big one was um, three months after we brought home Lalisi, Beza, and Ty, um, I was pregnant again for the fourth time. Um, I had not had a bio- we had not had a biological baby yet, and we were pretty comfortable in loving our family of six, and we were we were just really excited. Um, and then I got pregnant for the fourth time, so we were kind of like, oh, hmm. <laughs> now what? And <laughs> in a year, it, almost to the day, we brought Will, Alicia, and Ty home. We had a beautiful, healthy biological baby girl named Gracie. Yeah. What about uh, your experiences through the basket shower, just the generosity that people showed you? What, I mean, was there anything that God kind of revealed to you about him or about others through that process that you feel like, and this was really important for me? Uh, I think there's a lot of generous people out there mm-hmm. that you don't necessarily know about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for, for us, God just sort of, you know, we surrendered. We, our plan um, was, we were kind of living our life and our plan. Um, and I think finally when we surrendered, truly, truly, it, those darkest times or those lowest times when mm-hmm. you go through um, difficulty building your family or whatever the difficulty might be in your life, and we finally just threw the towel down and we said, God, okay. I'm going to pick up your life, your plans for me. And I think when we finally did that, he showed us that his plans for us were so much greater than the plans that we had had for ourselves. And look. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things they shared with me was that, you know, people will tell them all the time, hey, what a life you've given to these kids. You guys shared with me, what a life they've given to us. I'm only crying because you're crying. Um, I can't help it. (laughs) But it's amazing how that happens in our lives. When we open ourselves up to to be generous and to show love and to share our lives with somebody else, how how really, instead of us being the one who's bringing life, we're the one who receives something out of it. And so I I just appreciate you guys so much. These guys, they're incredible. I love their hearts. And uh, and their kids are are, fantastic. Ty um, told me the other day, he said, I want to be a pastor and a knight. And I was like, you know, kind of, they're pretty much the same thing. <laughs> Just saying. But I do. I love their kids and, uh, and this family very much. So uh, why don't you guys give these guys a hand as they walk out? Thank you so much. Love you. Appreciate you. God bless you guys. Thank you to be seated. These guys really are incredible, and um, 
And I want us to celebrate stories that need to be celebrated. And their story is a story that needs to be celebrated. And like I said, um, man, we, we hit some of the high points, but we did not get all the context in this few minutes we had together and, and the story last week. So I want to encourage you, whenever we have that online, I want you to take a look at their story and watch it with your family and just, just see. If you've got kids, they need to see some of these things to understand what it means to be generous and how good our kids really have it. Um, let me walk through a couple things. Like I said, you know, the Allison story is not about, the takeaway from the Allison story is not, if you tithe, God's gonna give you $9,000. That is not the takeaway. And so if that's what you heard, um, you heard the wrong thing, okay? That is not the takeaway. The takeaway is, when we open up our hearts to be generous, God can bless us, okay? It, it might be financially, but it might not be financially. Um, as you heard, they were blessed in a ton of ways that had nothing to do with how big their bank account was. They were blessed in ways when they sold their big house and sold their nice cars and they traded them in for minivans with stains on the seat cushions and things like that. That's what they got because they understood, I'm going to be generous and I'm going to be blessed, but it might not be in a monetary way. Uh, let me just walk through this real quickly. Um, the bottom line is God blesses obedience. Period. When we're obedient to what God is asking us to do, whether it's in our giving, whether it's in our adopting kids from another country, and some of you right now are thinking, please, God, don't ask me to adopt kids from Ethiopia. I get it, right? I don't want to go to Ethiopia and adopt kids. But if God asks you to do that, you better do it because God blesses obedience. Maybe it's witnessing to your coworker at work. Maybe it's uh, paying for somebody else's meal when you see them at, at lunch. Maybe it's just blessing somebody in a way. But the truth is, whenever we're obedient to God's word, whenever he asks us to do something and we do it, we are blessed. God will bless you, period. So there's several ways that God blesses us. Uh, the, the first way is generosity generates joy. When we are generous in our lives, it generates joy in our lives. We, we see it happen. Um, if you look up back in, in 2 Corinthians, one of the things Paul said, he was talking about their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty overflowing, right? How can you be extremely joyful when you're in extreme poverty? But the truth is, our bank account has nothing to do with how happy or how joyful we are. Our joy is derived from God, and when we follow God and are obedient to what he's asking us to do, and we're obe obedient in our generosity, then we are going to be joyful. We should be the happiest people in the world. People should be so sick of us because we're so happy and joyful that they're running away from us. They're like, I can't, this guy never has a problem, it seems like. He's always got joy in his life, you know? And it doesn't matter what his circumstances are. There's joy in his life. And that joy is derived from generosity in our lives. When we are generous with the people around us, it gives us joy. If you don't believe me, um, parents, hopefully you've got to this place. I don't know when it was in my life, but at some point I didn't care about the gifts I got for Christmas anymore. Right? I want my kids to be thrilled with the gifts they get for Christmas. I want them to love it. And if I get something, okay, fine. But probably most of the parents in the room, if I asked you, name every gift you got last Christmas, you probably couldn't do it. Why? Because we understand that it truly is better to give than to receive. There's more joy in the giving than there is in the receiving. And some of you are like, forget that, right? <laughs> I saw the Lexus commercial with a big bow on it. That's what I want for Christmas. But the truth is, I love the look on my girl's face when they tear open the gift that they've been wanting and they've been looking. Man, it brings joy to my life. There's a payoff for me whenever I give. Does that make sense? And it generates gen joy in my life whenever I exercise generosity. 
I've got a friend who every year he'll go to the mall and he will buy kids sneakers. He'll, he'll walk through a shoe store and he'll see a family that looks like they might be in need and he'll go to the clerk and say, hey, um, here's my credit card. I'll be back in just a little bit. Tell that kid to go pick out whatever shoes he wants and I'll be back in just a little bit to pay for it. Nobody even knows he does that. But it does something in him. It brings him joy. He doesn't do it because he has to. He doesn't do it because God is twisting his arm. He's like, fine, God, I'll go do it. He does it because it brings him joy. And when we give, when we're generous, it brings joy to us. <laughs> Whether you realize it or not, it does. Some of you are like, it doesn't bring me much joy, but I promise, it does. Just give it some time. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 says, this is what Paul is saying to the, the Corinthian church just a little further down. It says, each one of you must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. So understand that. When we're talking about giving, I don't want you to give because I'm up here twisting your arm or I'm bashing you over the head saying, you better give. You're fine, fine, I'll give. God says, that's not the way I want you to give. And then he goes on to say, for God loves a cheerful giver. And this isn't saying that, that you should just go, I love giving. And as you're walking by the offering box, you drop something in or this is the best thing ever, you know. That's not what God is after. Because God doesn't need you to put a tip in the offering. God doesn't need your money in your bank account. What he needs is for you to develop a heart of generosity so that you understand the joy that comes with giving. And when you give, man, you're excited about giving. I, there was a guy in one of my churches that, that he was in the stock market. He, that, he was retired, and that's what he did. And, and he could have tithed every week on that if he wanted to. You know, he made some money and wrote a check on Sunday, but he didn't. Do you know what he did? Every week, during the week, if, if he made money on Tuesday because he sold on Monday, he was bringing us a tithe check on Tuesday. And it wasn't so he could show off and go, hey, <clears throat> here you go. I just wanted to let you know I'm dropping my tithe check, another tithe check off for you, gentlemen. Here you go. Let me, let me hand it to the pastor directly. And just, it wasn't like that. He'd sneak in. He'd, he'd put it in an envelope. He'd give it to him. I just wanted to drop off some tithe. But he did it every day. And do you know why he did it every day? Because he loved giving. He loved it. It brought him joy. He understood that the generosity that was in his heart to give to others and to bless others generated joy in his life. It was a passion for him. I said this a few weeks ago, but we are happiest when our life is not about us, and we are most unhappy when our life is all about us. If you're struggling with depression in this place today, I want to encourage you. It's not because you're bad. It's not because you're evil. It's not because you're being selfish. But if you would begin to turn and say, okay, you know what? I'm going to focus on somebody else's need. I'm going to begin to try to bless somebody else. God is going to help turn and shake some of those feelings off you. I truly believe that in my heart. Amen. We are happiest in our life when our life is not about us at all. Generosity generates joy in our life. Generosity connects people to God's grace. I said this earlier, but it's absolutely true. When we are generous in the world we live in, it connects people to God's grace. It helps them see how good God really is. When, when AJ and Heidi um, began to tithe, that was a bold step of faith for them, right? When you got no money and, and you feel like God is telling you to tithe, and 10% is a big number. I didn't, just as a side note, this last week I had coffee with or breakfast with a guy, and he was talking to me about generosity. And he said, man, we want to give, but 10% is a lot. I said, it is a lot. And I said, you know what? Don't get freaked out by 10%. And so I just, let me put you at ease. If you've been feeling in your mind that, man, I want to give to the church, but man, 10%, I know that number is, you know, in the Bible and my preacher used to talk about it, 10% and just bash us over the head. And I'm not sure. I feel, man, 10% is a lot. I get it. And this is what I told this guy. I said, 
If you want to give to the church, but you're uncomfortable with 10%, you go, man, I, can't, I don't know if I can afford 10%. Test God with 3% or 5% and say, this is what I'm going to do, God. I'm going to give a percentage of my income. I'm going to plan and set aside, and I'm going to give a percentage and see what God does. And then if God blesses you, increase that percentage a little bit and see what God does. Continue to test God in this. Because God tells us in, the, in regard to our finances, test me. Okay, there's no other area he says that in except in our finances. And he says, test me and see what I do. And so I would encourage you, say, God, okay, I'm going to give this percentage, and then I'm going to increase it. If, if you are who you say you are, I'm, I'm going to continue. And God will bless you in that, okay? So um, AJ and Heidi, when they first stepped out and said, we need to tithe, that's scary, okay? When, when you don't have money or you're saving, you've got a big plan in front of you, that was scary. It was terrifying for them. But they did it. And when God blessed them financially, it wasn't just about... All right, we're going to go get some babies, right? Part of it was there. It was like, okay, God, you're going to help us do this. But part of it was a confirmation for them that God is who he says he is, that, that God has not forgotten about them. And if we're going to be honest, anytime God calls us to do something, we need his confirmation in order to do what he's calling us to do. We, can't, we walk out blind. We might take a blind step and say, God, I'm going to trust you. But at some point, God will confirm himself to us and say, hey, I, I got you. I'm right here. I'm walking with you. I haven't forgotten about you. And this is what God did in their life. It confirmed God's grace. He said, I'm still with you. I haven't forgotten you. It was a confirmation for them. We see it not just in individual lives, but in corporate lives as well. Um, let, me, let me show. I've got a video I want to show you. One of the churches we support is Adventure Church in Columbus, Ohio. Pastor Kyle Hammond was with us this last summer, did an incredible job. He'll be with us again this year, and I'm so excited about what God is doing there. They were in a portable setting where they were literally meeting in a hotel ballroom, and it was just, it was terrible for them because they had to set up and tear down every Sunday, and it was just, it was, it was, it was really, it was a hindrance to the growth of their church. And since they started, they've seen hundreds of people come to know the Lord. They've got a, a, over 300 people in attendance now, and God is doing great things. But I, let me show the video to you about uh, Kyle, and he, he's sharing a video of thanks to the church. So go, look, go ahead and run that video. What's up, Summit Church? My name is Pastor Kyle. I'm the pastor of Adventure Church, a church plant here in Columbus, Ohio. I first of all just want to thank you for your ongoing support of our church and what we're doing here in Columbus. Without faithful churches like you, there's no way that we could accomplish the vision that God has given us. I want to give you a quick update on what's been going on. We recently have uh, acquired a new building that we are in a lease on and we are in the, currently in the process of renovating it and raising the money to do so. A couple weeks ago, I had the privilege to talk with Pastor Mel for a little bit and kind of give him the update. And as I was sharing with him the vision of this building and what it was going to enable us to do as far as giving us a permanent 24-7 facility that would enable us to really accomplish what we want to do here in the community. And I was talking with Pastor Mel about it. And he just said, Kyle, look, we want to support you. We want to get behind you. And just this past week, we received an additional check of support from the Summit Church for Adventure Church and for this building, and there's no way that we could accomplish what God has called us to do without other churches and congregations like you. So for me, our entire team and our congregation, we again just wanna say thank you so much for your support, and God bless you guys. Adventure Church, yeah, you can give God a round of applause for that. Because of the generosity of this church, because you and your willingness to give, we were able to send them a check for $10,000 to help them with their building program at the end of the year. $10,000.
This guy, he's not like me. He's manly and unemotional and all those kind of things. And um, when I called him to tell him, hey, this is what we're going to do, <laughs> he couldn't talk. And I loved it. I was like, yes, thank you, God, right? He was so excited and so beside himself. He said, man, I can't even believe how good your church is to us. I can't believe that God would use you guys in that way. And in that moment, the Summit Church, we were evidence of God's grace for Adventure Church. When we sowed seed into them and said, we believe in you, what, what we were able to do is say, God is with you. God is for you. God's beside you. So when, when we're generous in our lives, it is evidence of God's grace to the people around us. Even if they're unbelievers, they're going to see that grace and they're, they're going to know there's something about it. And the truth is, the last thing real quickly, is generosity connects people to each other. When, when you have been shown generosity, it's very humbling. But isn't there something about it that you go, man, I'm so appreciative for that person. Aren't you connected with them in a different way? Or maybe when you give generously to somebody else or bless somebody, aren't you connected with them? But how about this? How about when you give alongside someone else towards something important? It's something about it brings us together. And this is what Paul was talking about with the church at Corinth. He was talking about generosity, not just in a way that, hey, you need to give money to other churches. You need to bless ministries. But he was saying, when you do that, there's going to be a spirit of unity. You do all this stuff well. You're articulate. You, you work well. You have good services. You do all these things. But, but you're lacking generosity. And when you're generous, it's going to bring this whole thing together in a way that you never dreamed possible. When you're generous, it's going to unite the body like never before. And I'm telling you, when we can together be generous, not just toward this church, but in our community, it's going to unite us like never before. It's going to change our world. It's going to change our community. See, generosity is not just about your money. It's part of it. But it's definitely not just about trying to get you to give more to the summit. It's about you giving your heart and surrendering the whole, your whole heart to God and saying, God, I want you to have every part of me. I'm not, hold, not going to hold anything back from you. And when you do that... There's the benefit of being in God's blessing, God doing incredible things in your life. Some of you have, have been at standstills in your life. Uh, you've been praying for something over and over and over and over and over. And I would encourage you, take a look at, at your own generosity. Not, not, and again, this is not a, if you give, God's gonna bless you and you're gonna have great, I'm not doing that, that TV preacher thing. That's not what I'm talking about. But maybe you need to adjust your attitude toward that situation and say, you know what? Maybe it's been about what I can get from this relationship, but maybe I need to look at what I can give in this relationship. And God can bring breakthrough in that relationship. Maybe in your workplace, you've had a struggle with your boss. Man, your boss seems to hate you, but maybe you can stop and say, okay, how can I extend generosity to my boss? How can I extend grace to him? How can I, how can I love them in a way that's gonna flip this around where it's not just about what I get, but it's about what I can give? Does that make sense? And when we can adjust our worldview when it comes to generosity, I think God will adjust us and bless us. So I want to challenge you today. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you about how we can walk in generosity. And while we walk in generosity, we're going to walk in God's blessing in our lives. Let's pray. God, I love you today. And I'm so thankful that you truly do bless us when we walk in your obedience, when we do what you're asking us to do. So God, I'm asking today that you would just help us see what it means to truly be obedient and, and generous in our lives. And I pray that we would see breakthrough, that Lord, you would see relationship breakthrough in people's lives. Lord, in people's workplaces, God, in their finances, God, in, in every area and aspect of our lives, Lord, let our hearts be generous so that people can see you better. Lord, I pray that you have your way with us over the next few minutes. Be glorified here. And I pray that you would just show up. So with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here today and you say, Mel, 
Um, the truth is, I'm not even really serving God, but I want to. I want to know God and have a relationship with him today. Uh, I want it to be alive and vibrant. I don't want just a religion, but I want to know him. If that's you, would you just say that's me and slip your hand up? And I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I just want to pray with you. Thank you, man. Back by the sound booth. Thank you. Up in the balcony. Who else? Thank you. Over here in the balcony on my right. Thank you. Who else says that's me? Pray for me. I want to know God today. I want to have a relationship with him. Thank you down here on my right. Who else? Thank you, sir, in the center section. I see you. Awesome. Just a few more seconds. Anybody else says that's me? Pray for me, Mel. I want to know God. Thank you, ma'am, over here on my left. Awesome. All right, I'd like every person in the room, whether you raised your hand or not, just to repeat this simple prayer after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for giving me so much. I don't have much, but I'm gonna give you everything I've got. Take my life and do the incredible. Use it for your purposes and for your glory. I commit to walk with you to the best of my ability for the rest of my life. I'm never gonna go back to my old ways, to my old habits, to my old life. I am yours, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we give God a big round of applause? Thank you, Jesus, you're good.